0: trends Podcast, a collaboration between the Community Foundation of Boulder County and KGNU. I am Rosana Longo-Better. This monthly series explores the changes happening throughout Boulder County through the experiences of community members, especially those on the margins. We aim to shed light on community challenges, solutions, and paths forward for the county and the country. The world is experiencing the global effects of the coronavirus pandemic. Data released by the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment shows it is having a disproportionate impact on people of color. The virus is shedding light on existing racial disparities, pointing directly to systemic societal and health inequities. By now, news
1: reports have been exposing how Black, brown, and Native American communities are experiencing higher mortality rates than other ethnic groups during the coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. However, this should not come as a surprise to anyone.
2: And when African Americans and Latinos and people of color are dying, they are not receiving the right attention from the hospitals. And in fact, some communities are even afraid of going to the hospital because of the cost of hospitalization in the United States.
0: According to the data from the state, Latinx people make up about 22% of the Colorado's population, but they are about 28% of its COVID-19 cases. While Black people are about 4% of the population, They represent about 7% of cases statewide. In Boulder County, the disparity is even wider. Latinx people make up nearly 14% of the population, yet they account for about 24% of the county's COVID-19 cases and nearly one-third of those hospitalized for the illness. Sheila Davis is a physician by training and the health equity coordinator for Boulder County Public Health.
3: African-Americans, Latinx uh, communities, and uh, native populations tend to suffer from health disparities for many uh, chronic health conditions like heart disease and cancer and diabetes, kidney disease. And we see that across uh, most of the chronic conditions. So now um, COVID-19 has arrived, and we're seeing um, explosions. We're seeing these high infection rates in our um, population-dense urban centers, like New York City, like Chicago, Milwaukee, like Detroit. We're also seeing high infection rates um, in, uh, at, in the Navajo Nation. And this is in part because of the underlying conditions of these communities of color, the heart disease, the uh, lung disease, cancer perhaps, uh, kidney disease. So the, the storyline for COVID-19, I mean, it is ravaging um, so many um, Uh, facets of our society. But I would have to say that the subtext is that COVID-19 is revealing deep fissures in our society. And some of these fissures are due to structural racism.
0: Davis says that another fissure in society that is being revealed is the disparity between the haves and the have-nots. Low-income communities who are unable to work under quarantine cannot buy food or pay the rent.
3: There is a concern that in, in some, in certain states, they aren't, you know, they're not evicting people who aren't, think, aren't able to pay the rent. But I'm concerned what is going to happen with, when, when that ends. Are we going to see um, a spike in homelessness? So these are things um, that we have to consider. And then there's the issue of, of being undocumented. Um, immigrant health and well-being are at increased risk due to a range of factors including fear of detention, denial of health care, and language access issues.
4: My name is Albert Jimenez, and this clerk from the gas station is very discriminatory and very racist towards Spanish people. This morning I was talking with Mexico, and he was giving me instruction and a phone number for a new job. And he came outside and interrupt that conversation and told us that we had to leave from the premises.
0: Edwin Jimenez is a black Latino living in Boulder. He's also experiencing homelessness, and that puts him at a high risk of getting COVID-19. He says now, more than ever, he's being discriminated against. And I don't see no reason
4: why. It's a gas station. It's a public place. we entitled by law to conduct our business.
0: He recounted an incident where he was speaking Spanish on a phone call while at a gas station in Boulder. He said the cashier told him to get out.
4: Because I asked him for hand sanitizer, and he doesn't have no hand sanitizer. He made me throw my cup away. Talking all this um, coronavirus and all that stuff.
0: Later, but he was stopped and questioned to, by police.
4: He kicked me out of the store and told me not to come back to his store, and just for that simple reason because I asked him for hand sanitizer. And then he called the police for no reason. His camera is there. I ain't did nothing.
0: He says this is part of a pattern of discrimination that he experiences regularly, but it has become worse during the pandemic. Jimenez's experience highlights how racism, poverty, and homelessness intersect and are exacerbated by the current crisis. While the entire state was under a stay at home order for several weeks, not everyone had a home to stay in. Frequent hand-washing is also out of reach for people living on the streets homeless shelters offer little opportunity for social distancing and can serve as hot spots for transmission of the virus. The spread of the coronavirus is pointing directly to a systemic societal and health inequalities that some say could be the reason why the disease is having a heavier impact on not just the homeless, but other minorities. A new report by the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado provides data to better understand the COVID-19 crisis and how it's affecting the Latinx communities in Colorado. Julia Roncorroni with the foundation says the report looks at the impact of the crisis on Latinos, and in particular, immigrant Latinos. We
5: did this because in the um, state
0: of Colorado,
5: Latinos are about 22% of the um, state's population, and yet they make up
0: 38% of all the cases of COVID that have been diagnosed this far. Roncorroni was a key collaborator in the report titled COVID-19 Impact on Latinos and Immigrants. She's also a professor in counseling psychology at Denver University. She says the report highlights the systemic barriers impacting the Latino community from a health inequity perspective.
5: There are other more systemic barriers or what we call social determinants of health that are impacting our Latino community and therefore their um, experience with COVID. Some of these um, living conditions and environmental realities include um, occupation as essential workers, um, transportation, living in food deserts, multi generational households where keeping distance from older family members or isolating those who are sick is nearly impossible. We also see that um, Latinos are, and again in particular immigrants,
0: are overrepresented in jails, in prisons, and detention centers. The report also shows that Latinos are playing a key role in sustaining the U.S. economy through. The pandemic and are overrepresented as frontline workers. And so, and this is this is especially true for undocumented
5: immigrants. And, and so, we know, of course, that if you have increased exposure in these environments, then you'll have increased infection rates. Only sixteen percent um, of Latinos can work from home, and we're seeing um, very recently the Pew Research Center released a study where they showed that. About 66% of Latino adults report that they would not get paid if they needed to miss work for two or more weeks related to COVID-19. And about half of the respondents also said that they struggle to meet expenses during this period. And so we, we see a very high need, economic need, and thus increased participation in these essential sectors and very little protection, right? Because, again, Latinos lack health insurance with their work. They don't have the protections in place at their workplace so that they can avoid contagion.
0: Um,
5: and so, again, high need and, and very limited resources to cope with, with the um, environmental um, situation that they face.
0: Black, brown, and Native American communities have experienced higher mortality rates than other ethnic groups during the coronavirus pandemic in the U.S. However, according to Lupita Montoya, a research associate at the University of Colorado Boulder in the Department of Civil and Environmental and Architectural Engineering, this should not come as a surprise to anyone. These populations have experienced a combination of
1: social and environmental stressors for a long time, leading to negative health outcomes, which make them more vulnerable to subsequent assaults like the coronavirus. We know that sustained stress due to things like poverty, for example, makes people more susceptible to diseases. That's well known. Now, my research focuses on environmental stressors like exposure to air pollutants, leading to negative negative health outcomes in all people, but especially on people of color. For the last 20 years, I have worked with multiple minority populations, each with specific environmental stressors that lead to different health outcomes. For example, when I worked with the Mohawk Nation in New York, we focused on indoor allergens and asthma. In the Latino community in Boulder, I studied them, and we determined that exposures at work or during their childhood likely led or lead to negative health outcomes. In the study conducted, that I conducted in the nail salons in Colorado, it was more recent, there I focused on Asian immigrants. Then we determined that cancer risks were significant due to their exposure to volatile organic compounds at work. Now, in my work, in my studies with the Navajo Nation, which I've been working for a long time now, we determined that smoke from wood and coal burned for residential heating elicited inflammation markers in our cellular models. Well, that is important because inflammation is a key element in the development of many diseases. There is plenty of such evidence from other toxicological studies, but I applied it to the Navajo context. Exposure to wood and cold smoke is only one stressor, however. The Navajo, or the Net College, like they call themselves, also have a history of exposure to r- uranium that is also well documented, and that is on top of all other significant and long-standing social stressors which the newspapers
0: are now talking about. But Montoya says people most impacted by the virus aren't always getting the right information and are being put at risk. My concern is that many of the same people who are at highest risk
1: are presently not being protected or even made properly aware of the risk. In addition, these people are often unable to stay home because they have to make a living and don't have jobs, they can perform at home. Now, some of these people are also being labeled essential workers, like those at me packing plants. So, they don't even seem to have a choice to stay home. It is amazing to me that we are putting the most vulnerable people in every respect out front in this pandemic. I am hoping this audience will think deeply about the fairness and the ethics of this situation. So, what can we do locally?
0: Lupita Montoya is referring to people like Victorino Campos.
6: Uh, my name is es Victorino. Estamos en la, en la avenida es... 1845 Oplan in Boulder Colorado
0: who makes a living and provides for his family as an independent construction worker
6: So this is
0: the only way that you can bring money to your house. how many hours do you work on a daily basis?
6: So you are telling me that um, that you're
0: working between five and six hours, and normally you used to do more than eight on a daily basis. Have you heard about programs that you can access if you don't have if you stop working?
6: No, no porque como Leo, yo en todo el tiempo ando fuera y no la noticia no más lo digo por un rato en la casa y no no tengo direcciones donde se pueda ir a
0: So you are not aware of what is out there uh for people that are in need that will be uh, stopping to work and then not having an income. There are several initiatives happening locally to support immigrant families during this time. Laura Soto, a DACA recipient and community leader, is involved in a local grassroots-based effort designed to connect immigrants and particularly the undocumented community with the resources they need. This
7: initiative that has come from the grassroots project of Voces Unidas Voices United. This is a project that started last year in November to help undocumented students in our area, as well as documented students at a very crucial time uh, when we realized that our immigrant population, specifically the youth that goes to our school district, needed extra support, not only in immigration matters, but also mental health and general uh, support with school. So this group came together, Voces Unidas, to help the undocumented youth of Boulder County. Um, When the COVID-19 epidemic hit our local communities, we were able to quickly organize the other leaders who many are Latino leaders in the community, plus allies who work directly with students Uh, organize being a voice for these students and bringing to the attention of our community foundations, as well as the Philanthropy Foundation, the needs that the immigrant community was quickly experiencing as a product of the crisis coming from COVID-19. So Voces Unidas was able to bring forth, again, as a grassroots movement, A petition that was asking for the initiative of an undocumented relief fund, a relief fund that could benefit the undocumented community, knowing that from the federal government, immigrant families were going to get absolutely no help. We know that in the CARES Act, immigrant families have been excluded in a very large portion including families who hold Social Security numbers, who have U.S. citizenship. We're talking about mixed status families who might have a family member who is undocumented and does pay taxes with an ITN number. The federal government is ignoring the fact that this and all families have U.S. citizens as members of their family. And they are getting no relief from the stimulus check, as well as unemployment and other federal benefits that most of us, um, we do get and enjoy and has been very helpful to continue our livelihoods. Immigrant families are being left out of these government supports. This is the reason why the Relief Fund was founded by the collaboration of philanthropies with local immigrant-led nonprofits and the local community foundations, including Boulder County Community Foundation, Boulder, and City of Longmont.
0: Soto estimates that there are several thousand mixed-status families in Boulder County.
7: If we have at least 5,000 mixed-status families, we know that they have great needs and are disproportionately affected, impacted by the crisis, the economic crisis that is stemming from the pandemic. We know that these people do not have access to unemployment because this is a federal government benefit. We know that they are not getting stimulus checks. And so if they have lost their jobs, they have lost their livelihoods entirely So the need is much greater than it appears. These families who are left out of the regular benefits need ways to pay their rent, to maintain food over the table, car insurance, cell phone bills, all kinds of expenses they can no longer meet. And this is the reason why we decided uh, a Better collaboration would be one that could meet all of those needs in a complementary way.
0: Liliana Garcia is herself a mixed-status family. She lives with her husband and her three American citizen children. She used to clean five to seven houses a week, and the husband used to work in two restaurants. Now they are unemployed and are relying on food banks to get by. They have a daughter who is studying to be a nurse who explains to them what precautions they need to take to keep themselves healthy. García is not ashamed to say she does not have documents and she is only speaking on tape because she wants to help others that are in the same situation. No tenemos documentos. Y no me da pena decirlo porque yo sé que esto puede ayudar a muchas familias. The Garcia family was expecting to receive the support from the federal government, at least for the three kids. Estábamos contando con lo que el presidente había prometido porque pensamos que iba a ser para todos. But they did not get it. Eh, Incluidos los jóvenes, pero no. Esto solamente es para personas que tengan... Documentos que tengan un número de seguro y no importa si no están trabajando o no, no importa si están ganando mucho dinero o no. Yo conozco personas que están trabajando, ganando bien y recibieron su cheque. Many immigrant families are mixed status, meaning some members may be eligible for federal assistance and others not. DACA recipients who were brought here as children and who have, for now, federal protection under the Obama-era program are eligible for some federal assistance, but have been excluded from other stimulus packages. Last month, the Education Department announced that DACA students aren't eligible for emergency aid to help students who have experienced disruptions due to the closure of campuses during the coronavirus
2: crisis. Hi, I'm Gabriela buitron and I am a DACA holder, and also I hold a PhD from the University of Colorado, from the Spanish and Portuguese Department. I am an educator myself. I have received the stimulus check from the government, I would like to say that it it is from the government, because some people are calling this the stimulus check from Donald Trump, which we have to remind ourselves that as we pay uh, taxes, we are entitled to this stimulus check. So it doesn't come from the president. It comes from the government and from our taxes. So we are entitled to this. And I also have to remember the audience that I come from a mixed-status family, So not everybody from my family has received the check. Some of my siblings, for example, don't have a DACA protection. So they haven't received any stimulus check. And in fact, uh, they have lost their jobs. Uh, However, I have to mention that I also know some people in the university, there are international students that have received the check. So the question that comes to my mind is the following. Why does a person that is an international student receiving a check from the government when, a, in this case, a DACA or a person that doesn't hold a status in this country does not receive a check? And we have to remind also that immigrants pay their taxes through this number that is called the IT number so even though they don't hold a social security number they still pay their taxes through that number and they still don't get the stimulus check from the government so as these communities are losing their jobs or are exposed to the virus because they are considered essential workers or also disposable they are not receiving the checks from the government
0: Puitrion Vera says that the exploitation of immigrant communities and people of color for labor has long been part of this country's history.
2: I think that the ways of neglecting communities of color uh, roots back from the beginning of this country and its foundations. As we have seen in history, uh, this country was founded under the rules of bringing people and relocating people without their approval and using them as uh, basically laborers. In this case, we have the people that were brought from Africa. And then what they did to other communities of color, the real citizens of these lands to the Native Americans, they also relocated them. And this has been continuing throughout history. We see the relocation of communities of color through, for example, I grew up in Chicago. So we see this relocation continuously and also the gentrification that occurs when communities of color are situated in a place and all of a sudden uh, they are relocated because they cannot afford the prices of this place that they used to be their land or the place of location. So this has been occurring throughout history and that's why now that we have the situation with COVID-19, I think that it's even more accentuated. Why? Because for me, I take this as a social cleanse. This country has been doing social cleanse since its start. So now that we have this situation, this country is continuing that social plan and by exposing these people who are not protected. By, because why? They are considered vidas, They are considered disposable. They are considered inferior. They are considered laborers. In fact, also when we look at the prison system, who are those people that are incarcerated? Most of them are people of color. And what are they doing there? Most of them are doing free labor. So we keep this situation from the beginning of this country up till now. We are using people of color to produce the labor without taking care of them at all.
0: There are several groups working to support immigrant families of all statuses through the pandemic. One is El Centro Amistad. Elena Aranda is the Director of Wellness, Health and Education in the organization's Grupo
5: Compañeras. I have worked
0: with my community, and that has been a great privilege to work with my community, but seeing mainly psychotherapy, but also somehow sharing what I know about their rights regarding their well being, about access, and the fight for equity in our community. Elena Aranda reflects on how people of color have had to be resilient in society long before the coronavirus.
5: Of course, it is
0: global, but here, for example, living in the United States, we know that color populations have less privilege in many respects. They don't have the same access. Since people of color are more affected, people of color are the ones who are risking being more outside, working. People of color are those who do not have access to doctors, and they are the most vulnerable. I know that there is an abyss of danger simply by being in this country. You know how many people had put in danger even of that without the virus, death of crossing the border for a life that will be better because they have the right to live better, because they are giving their best, the best of themselves in this country. That already has us in a position of struggle, but also of strength, because the struggle here of our people is day to day to maintain their jobs, to learn another language, to learn to live differently, to learn how to deal with solitude, to learn how to be divided, But they also have a beautiful, resilient power. That is the reason why they are here. What is happening now is not new. They uh, fight so much day by day. As communities grapple with the reality of the coronavirus and have discussions on making society more resilient to face future crises, we may look to immigrant and marginalized communities who have long been forced to be resilient in order to survive. For the Trends Podcast, I am Rosana Logo.